this church. Good, good evening to all one of you, because I only heard one person respond. <laughs> good evening, Central Park Baptist Church. Amen. Good evening to you all. How are we doing this evening? We doing good? Amen. Amen. Glad to hear it. Uh, if you're able to rise, we would like for you to join us in singing our opening hymn, hymn 643, hymn 643, Heaven Came Down and Glory Filled My Soul, and then we'll have an opening word of prayer. And if you sing really well, then you can be seated on the next one. <laughs> hymn 643, hymn 643, Heaven Came Down and Glory Filled My Soul. Him 643, him 643. Oh, oh, what a wonderful, wonderful day. Day I will never forget. After I wandered in darkness away, Jesus, my Savior, I met. Oh, what a tender, compassionate friend. He met the need of my heart. Shadows dispelling with joy. Amen. 
Amen. Heavenly Father, Lord, we're so thankful, Father, for yet another opportunity, Father, to uh, come to this uh, gathering place, Lord, to worship you in spirit and in truth. Father, I just pray, Lord, that you just bless uh, these beloved people who are here, Lord, who uh, come to uh, praise you, Lord, and to hear from you, Father. And I pray, Lord, that you be with our pastor, Father. Give him liberty, Lord, to expound upon the words that you put on his heart to give to we, uh, the, the, the people, Lord, and that we may uh, trap your word in our hearts, Father, that we may not sin against thee. We're so thankful to be here, and we give you all honor and glory and praise for it. It is in the name of Jesus we ask. Amen and amen as you're seated. Hymn 420, hymn 420, my wonderful Lord, my wonderful Lord, hymn 420, hymn 420, hymn 420, my wonderful Lord. Try it one more time from the top in 420. Here we go. My wonderful Lord. Oh, my wonderful Lord. Some of y'all old enough to remember that, you know. But uh, anyway, glad you're here. I appreciate you coming. Let me encourage you to uh, pray for our day Sunday. Help us. There got a lot of folks that have been sick. Uh, special prayer for uh, little uh, William. Uh, he had to go back to the doctor just a little while ago. So pray, keep him in your prayer. John uh, went home to help with the kids while uh, Sarah took him to the doctor. So please remember to put him on your prayer sheet, okay? Uh, bulletins from Sunday, remember though, these are really important. Make sure you have one of those and uh, remember all, everything that's going on with that and uh, uh, soul winning this coming Saturday. And uh, remember that we're all meeting over at the Robbie's for Thanksgiving. Hey. Amen. So, uh, hey. you know, uh, you weren't here, so we all voted you for that, Brother Robbie's. <laughs> well, we're, wherever you are, we're going to follow you. All right. All right. But, uh, and also remember that our, our Thanksgiving service is going to be Tuesday evening uh, at 7, so please mark that down as well. And uh, it's, just, it's hard to believe that Thanksgiving's already here. Wow. And, uh, you know, how many of you got your Christmas tree down or out? 
Oh, yeah, I, I got ours down, you know. Uh, I was under direct orders, but I got it down. You know, so. uh, but anyway, please remember all those things. It's coming up in your bulletin. And, and let's have a good day going out Saturday before, uh, before Thanksgiving. Let's invite, encourage. Please contact everyone that uh, hasn't been feeling good uh, and, and pray for them as well. Uh, if you'll grab your uh, prayer sheet, anybody need one of those? All right, keep your hand up. Brother uh, Jim, would you grab those, please? Uh, keep your hand up, okay? And um, please remember all of these that are on here. We had another update from Brother Gene Harmon. It's out there on the uh, bulletin board. Uh, he just still, he's almost through with some of his uh, radiation, but he said all of his food still tastes like metal. So uh, keep him in your prayers. He's praying and asking God that it'll not affect his voice. A preacher without a voice is just bad. Amen. And uh, he's praying and asking God to really uh, help him with that. So pray for pray for him if you would, please. All right. Uh, continue to pray again for Miss Jerry. She's on there as well. Uh, also want to want you to remember to pray for Miss Daphne, uh, who had the procedure on her heart a few weeks ago. She's still recovering. So uh, keep her uh, in your prayers. Remember to pray for Miss Lexi. Her baby is any day. I think they can start looking at a date when they can induce. So, but the baby is doing good and everything, but she's been pretty miserable for the last uh, uh, couple of weeks. So uh, please uh, pray for her that uh, her and the baby are, are do well and, and the delivery goes smoothly as well, all right? Uh, also, just remember to pray for our day Sunday. Uh, day before Thanksgiving, everybody ought to be in church that day. Amen. I mean, it's the day before Thanksgiving, amen. So uh, pray that everybody uh, gets here ready to go for Sunday. And again, remembering our, our, uh, our soul winning for Saturday morning at, uh, at 9.30, men and ladies. So please come and uh, be a part of that. Brother Big Nell, if you would, let me, uh, Brother Robert. Yes, thank you. Uh, yes, he had a procedure today. Uh, so pray, pray for him. Thank you. Um, I forgot. Brother Marco told me about that, and I'd forgotten. So pray for him uh, as well, okay? Brother Big Nell, if you would, why don't you lead us, and then I'll pray right after you, okay? Thank you. 
at this time, uh, if you're able, uh, we would like for you to stand for this next hymn, hymn 274. Hymn 274, tell it to Jesus. And then at the conclusion of this hymn, please greet each other before we have our uh, tonight's uh, sermon. Hymn 274, hymn 274, tell it to Jesus. this time. Little bottle of water in my fridge. First Samuel chapter 21, um, some, a, a prayer a request that I, I just thought of, uh, to please remember to pray for Miss uh, Zoe's sister, too. Uh, she's not doing well. I think they've called hospice, so uh, just, just uh, lift them up in prayer. I know that they would certainly appreciate that, okay? First uh, Samuel 21 and uh, let's start back in verse 1, and we will uh, read down through verse 9, okay? First Samuel chapter 21, we'll read down through verse 9. Found your place, say amen. 
Then came David to Nob to Ahimelech the priest, and Ahimelech was afraid at the meeting of David, and said unto him, Why art thou alone, and no man with thee? And David said unto Ahimelech the priest, The king hath commanded me a business, and hath said unto me, Let no man know anything of the business whereabout I send thee, and what I have commanded thee, and I have appointed my servants to such and such place. Now therefore, what is under thine hand? Give me five loaves of bread in mine hand, uh, or what there is present. And the priest answered David and said, There is no common bread under mine hand, but there is hallowed bread. And if the young men have kept themselves at least from women, and David uh, answered the priest and said unto him, Of a truth, women have been kept from us. Remember, we talked about that. Now he's admitted that there's others about these three days. Since I came out, and the vessels of the young men are holy, and the bread is in a manner common, yea, though it were sanctified this day in the vessel. So the priest gave him hallowed bread, for there was no bread there but the showbread that was taken from, the, uh, taken from before the Lord to put hot bread in the day when it was taken away. Now a certain man of the servants of Saul was there that day, detained before the Lord, and his name was Doeg, an Edomite. Very, you don't want to miss the, you know, I told you this one tonight is going to be real, the next one is going to be really good too, so you don't want to miss them, okay? Uh, Doeg, the Edomite, the cheapest of the herdmen that belonged to Saul. And David said unto Ahimelech, uh, And is there not here under thine hand spear or sword? For I have neither brought my sword nor my king's uh, or, or my weapons with me because the king's business required haste. And the priest said, The sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom thou slewest in the valley of Elah, behold, it is here, wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If thou wilt take that, take it, for there is no other save that there. And David said, We're going to get to this. Pay attention right here. There is none like that. Give it me. Father, help us. Help me, Lord, again to preach the message you've laid on my heart. And God, may we really grasp what's going on here, uh, God, and how that we can apply these things to our life. We look at things like this, and, and if we're not careful, Lord, we miss uh, what it's trying to teach us. And we, uh, Lord, there's so much here that's, uh, uh, that we can apply to our daily lives. Help us to do that today. Help us to glean from it, Lord, those things that will strengthen us, challenge us in our faith, Lord. And God will give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. Last, last time, or last week, our last lesson, we left off. David, you remember, he's come to the tabernacle. We read this here in uh, verse 1, and he came there for material reasons. He didn't come there for spiritual reasons. And when he comes there, if you look in verse 3, he comes to Ahimelech, and he asks for bread in verse 3. David, he's on his way to the tabernacle, and he, he missed his exit 31 for McDonald's, so he thought, I'll just take the next one, you know, and we'll get off at the tabernacle because we know they have bread. So he, he took the next exit, and he gets off at the tabernacle, and he gets there, and he comes to Ahimelech, and he asks for bread. And the bread that David specifically asked for was showbread. And as you read there in verse 4, you notice the, the bread uh, was used in the tabernacle ceremony, and it was hallowed bread or holy bread. And one of the pieces of furniture in the holy place in the tabernacle was 
uh, a table of showbread. In fact, it turned back to Exodus chapter 25. Let me show you. Exodus chapter 25, and uh, look in verse 23 and verse 30. Exodus 25, and look in verse 23. Found a place, amen. So thou shalt also make a table of shittim wood. Two cubits shall be the length thereof, and the cubic the breadth thereof, and the cubic and a half the height thereof. Now this is where it's going. Look in verse 30. And thou shalt set upon the table showbread before me always. So, our, so we see that uh, where the table was supposed to be set, it was supposed to be on the table that was prepared in the tabernacle. And on this special table, the priests were to put 12 loaves of bread every Sabbath day. And the 12 loaves were given to the priest to eat. You can read that in Leviticus chapter uh, 24, verses 5 through 9. So, uh, so David, he's come to the tabernacle, and David has been forced to look uh, for bread to eat uh, at the tabernacle. And, and if you think about it, this is really a sad day in the history and in the life of Israel. Here's a man who had saved the nation of Israel when he killed Goliath. Literally, he saved the nation of Israel when he killed Goliath. Amen? And so here's the man who, who later led Israel in victories over the Philistines. And here's a man who's been anointed to be the next king of Israel. However, at this point in his life, he is so rejected in his land that he is forced to go to the tabernacle and seek bread uh, from, the, from the table that's been there for the priest. It reminds me, uh, or us, that doing great things for God, think about this, doing great things in the work of God and being favored by God and being called of God into the work of God does not uh, uh, promise prosperity in life. Amen. You don't hear that in, in, you know, coming from a lot of the TV things going on nowadays. Amen. Uh, I mean, a lot of preachers nowadays are propagating prosperity kind of preaching, and they're saying that, you know, if you serve God, you'll be healthy, wealthy, and wise, but that is not what God teaches us. God said, if you follow Him, you what? Shall suffer persecution. Now, wait, nobody wants to suffer persecution. Why do you think we have so many casualties in Christianity? Listen, but the persecution, think about it, is not the end. The persecution is times of training in order that God might develop our faith and develop our character for the future. God doesn't make us suffer just to make us suffer. He don't want to just see us hurt. Come on, y'all can say amen. I mean, and so we can see that being called of God does not guarantee you that everything's going to be A-OK. In fact, far from it. Look in verses 4 and verse 6. Giving David this showbread or this bread uh, uh, that according to the law of Moses, watch, was to be eaten only by the priests. It's a good, I think, example or illustration here that shows that the practical is more important than the ceremonial when it comes to our faith. Now, now watch, stay with me. Uh, the Lord shows us this. If you look in Matthew chapter 12, I'll give you a good Bible example. I'll, let me say it again. The practical is more important than the ceremonial in our faith. Okay. 
Now watch, in Matthew chapter 12, verses 1 through 4, you remember when the disciples are they're, they're being persecuted because they were gleaning grain from the fields to eat on the Sabbath day. Amen. And the Lord, he says this in defense, he says, Have ye not read that, uh, what David did when he was in hunger, and they that were with him, how he entered into the house of God and did eat the showbread, watch, which was not lawful for him to eat, neither for them which were with him, but only the priests? So these same people got touchy-feely when the people were healed on the Sabbath in Luke chapter 6. But folks, listen, moral duties exceed, let me read it, exceed the ceremonial. Now, I know that, I want you to think about that. The same principle can be applied in doing something carnal rather than spending God's day in God's house worshiping God with the church. Now, I knew that wasn't going to get any amens. Listen, but carnal, watch, the carnal mind has a hard time applying spiritual principles because the carnal mind is prejudiced in favor of the flesh. Amen. So we can see here again that moral duty exceeds the ceremonial. Now, now look in verse 8 and 9. We're getting somewhere where I, I want to get to, and, and I, I like this, these next few things. The, the expectation here. Wouldn't you think that the tabernacle is a strange place to ask for weapons? Yeah. The sword of Goliath was kept at the tabernacle before God, and it was a trophy of God's help in defeating Goliath. It was there for that purpose. But, But in the same sense, a lot of people look at the church like David did. It's a place to furnish things it is not intended to furnish. Amen. Listen, this is a spiritual place, a spiritual institution. It's here to minister to the spiritual needs of people. People, are, their souls are being weighed in the balance. Amen. Listen, not for temporal and not for material needs. Now, we do help people. We do, and we have, and we will continue to. But the primary focus of Central Park Baptist Church is to help people with their spiritual needs. Just like that man that came down here that Sunday, he'd been a few years back, and he said, listen, while people are shaking their hands, remember I was telling you about that? And they said, he said, listen, can you pay my rent? And, and I said to him, and I'll tell you again, I said, listen, right now there's more pressing needs here. There's people here that are, that are being weighed in eternity, and if you'll wait till when I get through preaching, I'll be glad to talk to you. Listen, the church is here today to help people with spiritual needs. Why? Because, listen, uh, the Lord's coming back. And if we don't reach them, and and if we don't try to equip the saints, and that's why we're here to try to help you and equip you to be a stronger, better Christian, a better soldier for the Lord. If we don't do that, then we're going to fail. So here's David. He goes there asking for weapons. Now, now look at the explanation that David gives. To me, this, is, this goes right along with the, the, the lies he's already told. Remember we told you last week, he said, I'm on secret mission. Don't tell nobody. You know, mom's the word, whatever you, however they say that these days, you know. Uh, you know, and I can't tell you. Don't tell anybody. 
Why did I'm here? Why I'm here? You know, it's a secret. That's what he's saying. But now look what he says next. He lies to Ahimelech again, and he says, and I'm just, I was in such a hurry to do what the king said. I forgot my sword and my spear. Now, what, what military guy forgets their weapons? If he's on the king's errand to take care of the king's business, and it's a listen, and he knows he needs military weaponry, then, and he goes off and forgets it? You know, really? Give me a break. David, listen, he was not on a mission for the king. He's running from Saul. And here you notice how easy it is. Once he started, once he said them first lies and telling, listen, I'm on a sick. Listen, notice how easy it is or how easy it seems here for David to lie again. It's become almost second nature. It's like that greasy pole. If you get on the top of a greasy pole, you're going to ride it all the way to the bottom. Listen, I'm telling you, David is doing it. He's, he's seeing it. Now look in verse 8. And I don't want to make less of, of the fact that David lied here, but now there is some truth in what he said about the king's business requiring haste. I want to kind of pull this out here for just a second. Listen, he said the king's business required haste. Well, can I tell you right now today that our king's business requires some haste? We don't have the luxury of time. Think about it. There's wars. There's rumors of wars. Listen, there's pestilence, there's disease, there's immorality. It is running rampant. Right has become wrong. And when you stand up for right, you're blasted for those who are wicked and lost. Listen, th listen there is no time to mess around. There's no time to slack up. There's no time to take your foot off the gas pedal. And it is high time that God's people got serious about the business of God. Amen. We're going to have to stop allowing things to take the place of putting God first in our life. Why? Because the day's near. The, what day? The coming of the Lord. Just as, now think about it, just as it was in the days of Lot and when it came time, remember, for him to get out of the, uh, out of the city of Sodom and Gomorrah and he went to his family and told them, listen, God's going to judge this place. He's going to rain fire and brimstone. The angels of God, they came to my house and I'm here to let you know that God said to get out. And they mocked him. Why did they mock him? Because Lot had not been serious about the things of God in his life. And he led other people not to be serious. His own family. And I think there's too many Christians today that are moving at a snail's pace. I ought to preach this on a Sunday. Maybe I will. Y'all just sit back and say amen. You already got yours, Amen. I mean, we, we serve God on our own schedule when we ought to be moving with enthusiasm and urgency and obedience to do what God wants us to do. Listen, you understand the importance that, that's going on here? You understand what's at stake? People are going to die and go to hell. And, 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 and we just kind of, you know, whatever will be, will be. Some of y'all don't, some of you remember, 
We're just lackadaisical about serving God, about reaching people. Listen, that's why we reach people. That's why I get up and I say, listen, it's important today that we're, we do what God says, that we're obedient, that we're faithful. Why? Because people are going to uh, lose out on eternity. And, and we just take it for granted. And we, God's, the king's business requires some haste. But notice in verse 9, now this is, I, I think this is, um, and I've, I've studied this out, but I, I, I just, I, I went a different direction. I, 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 don't, I didn't read any uh, commentaries or anything that, that brought this out like this, but I, I, I personally believe it's the context here. If you notice what David said here in verse 9, uh, let me get back, look, turn the page, let me see, it says, and the priest said, remember, he's looking for weapons. The priest said, the sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom thou slewest in the valley of Elah, behold, it's here, wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod, if thou wilt, take that, take it, for there is no other save that here. And David said, look what he said, read it, there is none like that. Watch this. Pay close attention. David has overvalued Goliath's sword. Think about it. It was absurd for him to get excited about Goliath's sword, let alone uh, request it. I mean, the sword didn't do Goliath any good. Amen. I mean, it was no match for David's slaying and David's faith, and it ended up, Goliath's own sword ended up cutting off his own head. Didn't cut off the head of David. And I think when Christians today become enamored with the weapons of this flesh, yeah, and they're impressed with the swords of Goliath and say the same thing, man, there's none like that. When, watch, when this attitude seeps into the church, Christians begin to belittle the sling of David and get excited about the arm of the flesh. Listen, we've belittled the sling of God of David and the and the faith in a powerful God, and we started looking at the swords of David today, and we've forgotten about the power of Almighty God. Yep. I mean, we uh, get excited about the, the, this old flesh, and then Christians begin to put less value in things like soul winning, prayer. Bible study, purity, preaching, faithfulness, obedience. Uh, you know, I mean, we, we, we begin to value the things of the flesh. 2 Corinthians 10.4. Notice what it says. It says that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of, strong, of the stronghold. Listen. God, help us to understand today uh, the, the battle that we're in. And we've got to quit putting the, the, getting excited about this old flesh. This flesh is going to burn up one day. We're going to put off this flesh. Flesh and blood cannot enter into the kingdom of God. In days past, think about it, we had revivals of days gone by. And old-time people and old-time preachers of God, they'd pray down revival. Listen, you want to know how we'll have revival nowadays? Same way. Yeah. Uh, we're going to pray it in. But today, 
Uh, churches are relying on the sword of Goliath in order to bring revival. They rely on celebrities, door prizes, entertainment, so, so people uh, will, will keep coming. Well, listen, there's an old saying that says you're going to keep them like you uh, get them. Uh, if you're going to keep them with entertainment or, or get them with entertainment, you're going to have to keep them like that. Yeah. Um, until we learn to use the right weapons in fighting the Lord's battles, uh, uh, a crowd and superficial decision is going to be the best that we can do. My dad used to always say, Barnum and Bailey draw a crowd. Yeah. Listen, I'm telling you, I'm, I, I want to get everybody we can and can everybody we get. But I'm, I want to get them the right way. Um, we, we have to focus. I still, I think of Brother Ed. He prays every Saturday and he, in his prayer he says, God help us, help us today, focused on you. Focused on him. And he says, it. listen, and you know what? Listening to him pray and say that every week, you know what I get myself thinking? We got to focus on God. Amen. Listen, and we ought to. We need to focus on Him. Yeah. Uh, if we if we get our focus off of anything else, you get. I guess uh, I don't know. We we sunk. Yeah. What happened to Peter? We get our focus on other things. Listen, whatever, wherever your focus is, you better hope that it can bless you and it can keep you out of trouble from the things of this world. It, that it can take you to heaven because that's where your focus is at. I want to keep my focus on the one that can lift me up above the circumstances of this world and the one that I can put my hand in his hand and know that he's going to take care of me. Listen, that, that's where our focus ought to be. Yeah. We cannot and we must not depend on a sword of steel. But we've got, if you look in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 17, it says, the sword of the Spirit which is the Word of God. Listen, you know, folks, if I could challenge you to do anything, we've got to get our focus back on what God wants us to do, and back on Him. You know, we uh, churches today have, um, have come to say about the things of this old world, man, there ain't nothing like that. Well, can I tell you, there ain't nothing like the power of Almighty God moving through the heart and the lives of an individual. Man, I, Listen, when's the last time we saw that? When's the last time we saw somebody get excited about the things of God and just, man, I'm, and they weep at the altar and, and, and they begin to <clears throat> give their heart and life back to Him and, and we see people literally, you know, uh, just, uh, they just want to get right with God and they can't wait till the, till the invitation's given and they come down during the, uh, uh, during the preaching or something and they're down here at the altar and they're praying and trying to get right with God. Listen, that only comes through prayer and fasting. I'd like to see some of that. Been a long time. I've seen the power of God move in churches, but not like that. You know, listen, we uh, we come to church too much. You know, at nine thirty sharp, and we get out at eleven thirty dull. Listen, we we can't come to the place where we get like David and we say, "Man, there's none like that." And we start putting our confidence in the 
the swords of Goliath. And listen, swords of Goliath come in a lot of different shapes and form. Listen, but we need the sword of the Spirit. Uh, and the sword of the Spirit, as I said, is, is, the, is Scripture, the Word of God. And I, I've read this, but I want to read it again. Uh, there was a Thomas Guthrie that said this, The Bible is an armory of heavenly weapons, a laboratory of infallible medicines, a mine of exhaustless wealth. It's a guidebook for every road, a chart for every sea, a medicine for every malady, a balm for every wound. Rob us of our Bible and our sky has lost its sun. Listen, I want you to understand that's what the, where the Bible ought to be in your life every day. If, if the Bible is not that in, in that place in your life as an individual, as a born-again child of God, you've lost your son. There are words written by kings. These are words written by emperors, by princes, by poets, by sages, by philosophers, by fishermen by statesmen, by men learned in the wisdom of Egypt, educated in the schools of Babylon, and trained at the feet of rabbi in Jerusalem. It was written by men in exile, in the desert, in shepherds' tents, in green pastures, beside still waters. Among its authors, we find a tax gatherer, a herdsman, a gatherer of sycamore fruit, we find poor men, rich men, statesmen, preachers, captains, legislators, judges, and exiles. The Bible is a library full of history, genealogy, ethnology, law, ethics, prophecy, poetry, eloquence, medicine, sanitary science, political economy, and the perfect rules for personal and social life. And behind every word, there is a divine author, and it's God himself. Listen, you know what this is? A sword of the Spirit. This is not a sword of Goliath. If you have financial problems, this will solve it. If you have moral problems, this will take care of it. If you have, listen, marriage problems, this will set you on the right path. But this is the book. We've got to get serious about it. And we've forgotten it. It's on our coffee tables in our homes. It gathers dust. The pages are just as new today as it was when we bought it. Far too many times in life and in leadership, men look to the strength and wisdom of this flesh when they make their decisions. When at our fingertips we have the inerrant, infallible word of Almighty God. It has no errors or mistakes. It's flawless, faultless, and without blemish. Psalm 19, 7 and 8, it tells us that the law of the Lord is perfect. The testimony of the Lord is sure. The precepts of the Lord are right. And the commandment of the Lord is pure. Listen, this sword of the Spirit is complete. It's orthative. It's effective. And it is determinative. It is limitless in resources and blessings. It's the source of happiness. It's the source of wisdom. And it is the source of spiritual growth. You want to know why there's so many pygmy Christians today or people that have never grown up? It's because they haven't spent any time in the Word of God. Listen, this is the book. We got to get serious about it. This is not a sword of Goliath. It's not a sword of steel. This is the sword of the Spirit, the Word of Almighty God. 
Yeah. Um, many misread it, misuse it, misinterpret it. And a lot of people use it like a spare tire. Only in a time of need. But Hebrews 4.12, it tells us that the word of God is quick, powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword. God said it's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness. And listen, the way you use the sword of the Spirit in your life will determine your effectiveness as a child of God. Yeah. So use it wisely. Taste and see that God is good. Can I encourage you? Listen, old David, he missed it here in this part during this time of his life. And he went looking for the wrong thing. You know why? He's out of the will of God. And he looked at the flesh, the sword of Goliath, and he said, man, there's none like it. Can we get back to looking at our God and said, man, there is none like him. What an almighty God we serve. And all God's people can say, Father, help us. God, I pray.